When I started watching Once Upon a Time, literally five seasons before Red Riding Hood became a lesbian, I was like, she's hot, I love her, she's gay. And yeah. everyone was like, no, she's not. And I was like, I don't know, she's gay. Cut to, and Red Riding Hood's gay. And I was like, fuck y'all, I'm a genius. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating LGBTQ plus pop culture. That's not, that's not that's it. Not that's right. not the line. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. Welcome to One More Thing. Nope, that's no. not it. Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Robert. And I'm Jay. Ooh, that, <laughs> that sounds, sounds weird. weird. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm, I'm nope. <laughs> Welcome to One More Thing with Jay and Robert. I'm Jay. And I'm Robert. One More Thing is a podcast celebrating pop culture through an LGBTQ plus lens. We did it. Okay. We talk a lot about representation in literally everything, but what we don't talk about is representation that people just make up. We're talking about queer baiting and head cannons and fan fiction and everything Tumblr loves. Which I don't really know a lot about. My only real experience with fan fiction is that my friend Rachel Burns in high school wrote fan fiction about the social network and turned it into a play and got it performed in front of our whole high school. And no one knew that it was social network fan fiction except me. Okay, so I have two different questions about Okay. <laughs> One, why social network fan fiction and not about the people? It is about, well, you know it's, I mean? about it's about the characters in the movie who are the people. <sighs> okay. And two, was it like a Fifty Shades of Grey thing where it like wasn't Twilight? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the original fan fiction was just the social network, but then when she turned it into a play, they had the same names. They were still Eduardo and Mark. They didn't ever talk about, like, Facebook, so it wasn't clear that it was... Gotcha. Yeah. They were just, like, a gay couple. Oh, it was about them. Yeah. Oh, that's hot. It was called Blood Oranges and Mangoes. It was really good. I liked it. Blood Oranges and Mangoes. I have yeah. to read this. Rachel Burns, can you email us at one more thing podcast at gmail.com? I wonder and... if she still has it. That's really like my only fan fiction experience. Well, one of the first things that I learned about Anna was that she wrote Jonas Brothers fan fiction. Yeah. Literally one of the first things I ever knew about her was that she was like president of a... She was president <laughs> of the Puerto Rican chapter of the Jonas Brothers fan club. Yeah. I believe still is. I don't know that she was ever voted out. It's like on her resume. Yeah. Like at oh the my very God, yeah. bottom, it's like co-president. Of... I don't think she was co-president. I think she was the only president. Well, I remember she like ran the website. Yeah. And it was like around the time when they had their TV show on Nickelodeon. Yeah. I want to say. No, I think it was on Disney. Yes. And then she like wrote fan fiction about them, which about... she claims to have lost. Yeah, she claims. <laughs> she keeps being like, I'll find it. And then she never does. But hers was heterosexual fan fiction because it was her right. and the Jonas Brothers. Right. Which I can relate to writing fan fiction about the Jonas Brothers and myself. Oh my God. Wait, who, what, who am I? No, I, that is, I've written fan fiction. Before. I was waiting for I this forgot. to happen. Yeah. I've written now two works of fan fiction. Oh, okay. One I'll be reading later in this episode. Mm -hmm. The other one I wrote... <laughs> My friend Kaylee, one of my best friends in the whole world, we loved Harry Potter when we were kids and we would like use AIM. And I was like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna write you into the Harry Potter books. And so over iChat, I wrote her this like I mean, it was all I don't know how long it was literally because it was all via iChat, but it took me like three hours and I was just like live writing it for her. She was in it, I was in it, all the characters from Harry Potter were in it. It encompassed all seven books mm -hmm. and it like went out into the future as well. So I basically 
literally wrote Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So what is queerbaiting? It's when a canon material kind of pushes a queer couple on the audience without actually doing it, whether they know that they're doing it or not. Mm-hmm. Is that, does that make sense? Kind of, yeah. It's also, sometimes it sometimes can be like done by actual people, but we're just talking about it in terms of fictional characters. And it's sort of, it started with Gabrielle and Xena on Xena Warrior Princess. Back in season two, we did a really fun interview with our friend Diane, mm-hmm. who realized that she was gay watching Xena Warrior princess and that's sort of like a common thing is that lesbians loved and love Xena Warrior Princess because Gabrielle and Xena were sort of the first like major major group of people shipping a non-canon queer couple because Mm -hmm. they were like you know they would like be in the pool together and they would like lean really heavily into the queer subtext and they kiss once in the finale but it's like not a romantic or sexual kiss like it all happened because queer people were watching the show being like oh my god this is queer but they like can't say it and so Lucy Lawless and whoever played Gabrielle and like the creators really leaned hard into it. The other part of it is when producers and writers write gay couples and then cut out all the material except for just little hints and whistles. Yeah. A big example of this recently was Thor Ragnarok. Yeah. Where there was a whole scene where Tessa Thompson's character is bisexual and there was a scene where like you see a woman walking out of her room and it's clearly like, oh, they had sex last night, but it got cut. And it was the same as Black Panther. Right. Where there was like a queer scene, but it got cut. The sort of like biggest example of this coming from a creator perspective is in the 2016 remake of Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. Kate McKinnon's character, Jillian, was supposed to be gay, and she was like written as gay and directed as gay, but the studio said that she couldn't be gay because the movie wouldn't sell. Yeah. And so Paul Feig had to sort of like dance around it. Kate McKinnon had to dance around it when they were doing interviews, and Paul Feig said, I hate to be coy about it, but when you're dealing with the studios and that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, and so he basically was like, yeah, she totally would be gay if it wasn't a huge big budget movie mm-hmm. that is going to turn into a franchise. But then sadly the movie did so badly yeah. because of like evil men that it isn't turned into a franchise. So now it's sort of like, should have just taken the leap and been like, yep, <laughs> there's no way we're getting a sequel, so she's gay. <laughs> One of my favorite things about seeing Ghostbusters was you had seen it twice before I watched it with you. Yeah. And going into it, you were like, okay, so here's the thing. You have to watch it like this. Melissa McCarthy and Kristen Wiig used to be together. They have now broken up because of this whole thing that is plot. And now Melissa McCarthy is with Kate McKinnon. And it's like a whole bunch of jealousy going on the entire time. And I was like, yeah, but listeners, what you don't understand is Jay does that for most things. Not necessarily that planned out, but I was like, okay, sure. And through watching it, I was like, oh, yep, that's exactly (laughs) what's going on. Yeah, that is the plot of the Ghostbusters remake. Anyway, everyone tweet at Paul Feig and say, make a sequel to Ghostbusters. Busters. I would love one. I really want one. You carry a lot of tension in your shoulders. I'm sorry, hello? Who are you? Who are you? Holtzman. Virgo, avid skier, gluten full, and 100% jazz to meet you. Well, don't get too close to her, Holtzman. She'll ask you to write a book and then she'll squash your dreams. Okay. Holtzman works with me here in the lab. She's a brilliant engineer and a very loyal. She would not abandon you. I get it. So first up, let's talk about, I would say one of, at least in my knowledge of the internet, one of the most famous. Yeah. Not, I think maybe the most famous modern day queer ship. 
It's definitely the biggest. Before I watched it, I knew what it was. And listeners were talking about Sherlock and Sherlock and John Watson. And I hadn't seen it until, was that a year ago? Yeah, it was like a year and a half. All I had seen was like, you know, the billions of posts on Tumblr talking about like scenes from it and like shipping them and stuff. And I thought that it was so annoying that I just could never watch it. And then I did. And I have to say firsthand, I ship them. Mm -hmm. I mean, you've written here in the notes, it's alarming how gay the show is. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing that I think is super interesting about Sherlock is that it's, it's a story about two guys in London who just are in love with each other. Yeah. And like not putting any kind of labels on it, like they are canonically in love with each other. Also canonically, they both have female love interests yeah that the show keeps throwing in to be like fans stop they're straight this is not a romance yeah the sort of interesting part of that is that one of the creators mark gatiss is openly gay yeah which is where i throw up my hands and walk away (laughs) (laughs) okay so if you and i or me and a straight person because you and a straight person are basically the same i guess in this scenario um were to write a show together there would certainly be a gay character yeah. or a gay relationship. I would never be like, well, they're definitely straight and there's right. no way around it. Even though they're dealing with like, I mean, Sherlock is one of the most famous mystery novels or series of all time. So like, I get it dealing with that kind of source material, but like, it's Sherlock. And they've also made enough changes and modernized it enough. By the fourth season, they were like fully straying from plot lines. Yeah. And so it's sort of interesting that they were like, absolutely not. And they also, they get asked about it all the time, which I think is hilarious. They cannot do an interview without people being like, so Sherlock and John are gay? (laughs) At this point, they're like getting frustrated by it. And they're like, listen, we've told you it's not going to (laughs) happen. It is not going to happen. Please stop asking us. And then at the same time, the fourth season came out last year and it was like gayer than ever. John Watson's wife died. Sherlock was like comforting John and they were like very much in love and they were like partners forever. Mark Gatiss and Stephen Moffat were still like, but they're straight. Don't forget. Also, the fans have gotten angry. I'd say the Sherlock fans are angry at a lot of things and this is top one. People are mad that the Sherlock cast and creators play so much into this relationship without actually confirming it and being like, hey, stop. We don't want to talk about it but we're going to keep doing it. Because it would be easy to have them, you know, be less gay. Especially since the writing is so good in that show. And it takes like five years for them to do each season. So they could easily just like take a second. But then recently there's been like a huge development in it. Yes. Which is... Martin Freeman and Benedict Cumberbatch have broken up <laughs> because Martin Freeman said he doesn't want to do Sherlock anymore because the fans have ruined it with their shipping, which is kind of homophobic. It's weird because it's kind of true. Like, I, like I really hate to say it, but I didn't watch it for so long because the fans were so annoying. Oh, yeah. So I, I can't even imagine what it's like to be at the literal focus of that and have millions and millions of people probably talking to you all the time about this one thing. Yeah, and so I totally I can... get it that it's like this passion project they do that is supposed to be this really intense intellectual drama and then all the fans ever say is like they're fucking yeah. and Martin Freeman is probably like come on and especially since as you said it takes so long for them to do one season so what the first season aired when like 2010 or something they've been working on this for years and the only thing that people yeah. talk about is this relationship between them and the show is so good besides that yeah like it's a really great mystery series and it's really well done and that is not what people talk about. When a new season airs, I've only experienced one new season airing, but when it aired 
the articles coming out about it weren't like, wow, like this season of Sherlock was so good. It was like, this is how close we got to them fucking this season. (laughs) And so I can totally see how he says that. However, the way that he said it and the way that Benedict reacted to what he said made me feel weird. I liked Benedict's reaction. Yes. He's a true ally and he said, it's pretty pathetic if that's all it takes to let you not want to take a grip of your reality. What, because of expectations? I don't know. I don't necessarily agree with that. I just don't feel affected by that in the same way, I have to say. Which I think is hilarious because he's basically saying like, fuck you, Martin Freeman. Let the fans have their fun. Oh, something we should note is one time the creators explicitly mentioned fan fiction they said if people want to write whatever they like and have a great time extrapolating it that's absolutely fine which like okay it's scary that they read fan fiction honestly you know i mean as we've learned from other things writers and creators definitely read fan fiction because then it gets worked in somehow or like you know people like write something about a fictional character or a celebrity or like make like a video or something and then people end up seeing it yeah and it it (laughs) And then the like celebrities address it or whatever yeah. when it when it go when it gets big. You flirted with Sherlock Holmes. At him. You jealous? We're not a couple. Yes, you are. Who, who the hell knows about Sherlock Holmes? But for the record, if anyone out there still cares, I'm not actually gay. Well, I am. Real quick, to contradict my earlier story about writing intensely detailed Harry Potter fan fiction, I actually don't know that much about Harry Potter. I used to know a lot, and then I sort of, now I don't really know as much. So this is going to be sort of you explaining this to me. And I also, when I read these notes, I have a lot of questions. Great. So tell me about this first ship, because I'm shocked. So Harry Potter is in the top five for famous and most popular shippings. Really? Yeah, because there are so many characters, and fan fiction online really started around the time where we were all falling in love with Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. So people were like, I'm going to hook onto that. And one of the things that they went with is Harry Potter and Draco Malfoy, which I don't understand. <laughs> nor, nor do I. <laughs> if you Google image search Harry and Draco, instead of getting scenes from the movie together, you'll literally get cartoons of them like cuddling in bed or kissing or like in each other's robes. Oh my God. Am I right? Yeah. Here's one of them holding hands. Yeah. Here they are sort of like... <laughs> leaning against a wall. Here they are fully kissing. This mm-hmm. is this is a Photoshop of Tom Felton and Daniel Radcliffe kissing. Malfoy was holding Harry so tightly it hurt, says this image. <gasps> oh, 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 boy. Nope. Is that a penis? No, they were just having sex. <gasps> so I did find out a lot of information about this that I never knew before. So I might not be able to answer all of your questions. Okay. But so it's one of the most popular like ships from the Harry Potter fandom. And there are like tens of thousands of fan works that have been created but they all kind of reference these two main fan fictions about them. And they were probably, no one really knows, but the first Harry and Draco mm-hmm. fanfics on the web. Their ship name is not like Harry Draco. It is called Guns and Handcuffs. So to be clear, most ships combine the two characters' names. Like the Sherlock and John one is John Locke. Yeah. Now this is... The name comes from two different fan fictions, and they were super popular. One of them is called Snitch by someone named Al. 
Well, the idea that it's like a 65-year-old guy working in a garage and he's like, you know what's hot? Harry and Draco. Which features guns and then irresistible poison by someone, which features handcuffs. Hardcore shippers can point out that there's a lot of subtext supporting the pairing. Basically, I like that you wrote, very few have believed that it could ever become canon. Because it won't. Yeah. It truly won't. Like, (laughs) There's now an epilogue play and it's still... (laughs) Not canon. And also J.K. Rowling, no offense, but sort of hates the gays. I want to just put it out there. I really, really, really hate her. That's fine. I think she's a huge advocate for equality, but she is poor with actually doing it. Yeah, I agree. Or like being specific about what that means to her. I think Um, she's great in a vague sense of like everyone should be equal. Not so great in a way of like not calling trans women men in dresses. Exactly. Anyway, this is something that I found interesting. Some of the fans are attracted to the pairing because they like exploring the dynamics of their enemy slash, which is like fiction or rivalry. Which I don't understand it. Not saying it's wrong, but it's like, I guess that you're just like, oh, these two people are enemies, so I want to see them fuck. I do know that a big thing in fan fiction is that people really love fan fiction where it's like they start out as enemies and they're forced to be together and then they fall in love. Mm -hmm. Which I I get that. Like, that's the plot of, like, most rom-coms. Yeah. You know, the ugly truth. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat. Much Ado About Nothing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And those were the only two rom-coms. Uh-huh. But yeah, that's like a big thing is that people will be like, I don't want to read something where they're like married and happy. I want to read something where they fucking hate each other. Yeah. And this is where this acronym comes in, UST, which I had never heard of, but it is fanfic lingo for unresolved sexual tension. Nothing really happens between Harry and Draco for the first four books in this sense. But in Order of the Phoenix, shippers got nervous because Harry ignored <laughs> Draco through the entire book. But then some people had said that Harry had just like outgrown Draco. But then in Haplet Prince, Harry is like obsessed with Draco through the entire thing because Draco, I mean, in my mind, Draco is evil and Harry's trying to figure out what it is. But in a shipper's mind, you can say that it's like he's just become obsessed with him because he thinks that he might be starting to fall in love with him. Who does Draco end up with? Some bitch from Slytherin. Like a character that like comes out of nowhere. And in the end, they're just like, and then they got married. Huh. He has like female friends through the books, but <laughs> they're never people with like actual lines. It'll be like Draco and Kathy were sitting together. Kathy! <laughs> and people like broke back mountain it, right? Like they're like, Harry's married to Hermione and Draco's married to Kathy, but at night they go and meet each other in the well, forest. in Deathly Hallows, your favorite moment. My? Yes! Oh, my favorite. In the entire oh. thing. When Narcissa goes to pick up his dead body and she sees that he's alive and she's like, is Draco safe? And Harry's like, yes. And then she's like, he's dead! And she saves the entire Wizarding World and never takes credit for it. Shippers were like, okay, this gives Harry and Draco the opportunity to like run away together, be friends, like connect in some way. The Malfoys and the Potters will like become united for the first time ever. And that's just not what happened. It just sort of nothing comes of it, which is great because Narcissa is truly selfless and saves the world and never takes any credit, but not great because Harry and Draco don't fuck, I guess. Yeah. Harry is under the impression Draco Malfoy is now a death eater. I can taste it on my tongue. Why didn't you tell him? Gryffindor! Bellatrix. Slytherin! You knew it was me. You didn't say anything. 
Okay, so tell me about Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Robert has seen it. Mm-hmm. I have not. I know literally nothing about it. All I know is that Hermione's black in it. Yes. For everyone out there that has read it or seen it, we all know it is complete fan fiction written by a playwright that J.K. Rowling just like approved. So it is in no way interesting or any it, or it's it makes in no any way sense. interesting. Like the whole plot of it actually doesn't fit into Harry Potter. Like if it were true, the Harry Potter canon could not have happened the way that it happened, which Whoa. is why I'm so mad about it. However, you go in thinking that it's going to be about Harry, Ron, and Hermione and Draco because they're set to be the main characters in the beginning and you think it's going to take place during the epilogue because you spoilers if you haven't read it the first scene is the epilogue from the seventh book and then time jumps forward and it's like five years later and Harry's youngest son Albus goes to school with Draco's son Scorpius and they meet on the train and they're both famous in their own right here's what I don't like about Harry Potter okay (laughs) how come half of them are named like Harry and Ron and Kathy. And half of them are named like Severus and like Albus. <laughs> Have you ever He's met a person like a... named Albus? No. I rest my case. But those people live in the wizarding world. Like they're in the wizarding community. And the Potters lived in Godric's Hollow yeah, away but from all of that. Yeah, the wizard. And he, that, all of them have good have They live names. in like the... Ron, Charles, Yes, but his Bill, dad is obsessed with muggles. George, oh. So of course he would name all of his kids. But, I mean, you can make that argument for Harry's parents, Lily and James. Because James is just a name from the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> and Lily is a flower. But Lily's parents were muggles. She right. like I'm over it. Move forward. <laughs> I lost so, interest. Harry's son and Draco's son go to school together, and this like entire plot happens that I won't ruin for anybody. But through the course of the show, you watch these two boys fall in love. And when I say you watch them fall in love, I mean they fall in love. And the only example that I have <laughs> that I can say without spoiling you sound anything. Like me. They're in love, is... and I have exactly one example. No, there I I mean the entire play is an example, but the only one that I can give without spoiling anything is in the staging there is a montage where they are not allowed to talk to each other because their parents have figured out that they're really close friends and they're like you can't ever see that person and there's a really beautifully beautifully staged montage where they like constantly ignore each other on purpose but they're longing to be with each other and I was like this is maybe the hottest thing I've seen in a while (laughs) what happened with Cursed Child is it started previews in London and then they released the rehearsal script and everyone read it and was like what? and then people that saw it in London were like you have to see it live because then it will make sense because at the end of the show and that's the hallmark of a good play (laughs) it only makes sense when you watch it it. (laughs) because at the end of the show there's a scene where like Everything's okay. Albus and Scorpius are together and they're like, man, wasn't that fun? And then Scorpius is like, yeah, I can't wait to be with Rose now, Hermione's daughter. And then he asks her out. And now that he's like been through this adventure, she kind of says yes. And he's like head over heels. Are they not 11? Or they're like 13, 14. And the entire audience goes, what? Because that girl is not in the play at all (laughs) until that moment. So it's like, here's this beautiful love story over two plays that you're going to watch. And then in one scene, we're just going to wreck all of it with a relationship that hasn't been here. I then saw it and was like, wow, maybe they cut that scene out because they're so explicitly playing into this relationship. And then at the end of the show, Rose came in and they did the scene. And what was weird is to me, it read as Albus being like, you should ask her out because he knows that Scorpius is gay and he is straight and he's trying to like move his attention to someone 
someone else so that he doesn't wreck their friendship. And Scorpius is like, oh, sure. Yeah, I'll ask her out. Hey, Rose, do you want to go out? And then she's like, yeah, sure. And he's oh, like, look, Rose. Albus, now I have a girlfriend. And Albus is like, great, good for you. Like, this is awesome. I can't wait to never see this play. Listeners, if you've seen it or read it or have any thoughts about it, DM us on Instagram. No, no, that's no. where I am. DM Robert <laughs> personally. <laughs> yes, my Instagram handle is at Robert E. Ack. I'm still working on it. Have you ever been at CVS? All the time. And you swipe your card and it's like, would you like to donate a dollar, five dollars, whatever, to XYZ fund? And you're like, no, not this time. You know what you can do? You can take that one, five dollars, whatever it is that you're not giving to CVS and give it to us for one dollar. Don't give it to orphans. No, you know who needs it? Not Annie. For one dollar, you can get us talking about shit that we don't talk about on here. For five dollars, you can get maybe some Leah Michelle videos. Yeah, that's true. Our five dollar Patreon subscribers were the first ones to get our Leah Michelle videos. Yeah, you can watch us doing things that is too inappropriate for us to put anywhere else. No, I don't like that. That sounds like we put a sex tape on Patreon. True. For one thousand dollars, you can get some nudes. That's reasonable. I know. Head on over to patreon.com slash one more thing and uh, drop us some money and we'll be bringing it to you this season in some pretty cool ways. It's time to talk about another thing I know nothing about. Finn and Poe, Star Wars, they're introduced in The Force Awakens. And Star Wars has been under the magnifying glass recently with this new trilogy because in the six movies that came before it, there is no diversity. There is one, no, there are like two women in the cast. (laughs) One of them dies off. Which one? Natalie Portman. Oh. So Force Awakens, the writers sat down and they were like, all right, how do we make this more diverse? And how do we like hit every button topic that we can to make this as exciting? explosive as possible. And someone raised their hand and was like, I got it. A black guy and a Guatemalan guy and a girl. And they made Daisy Ridley, the main character, and then left the two other people, Finn and Poe, off to the side as like second tier characters. And they don't really meet through the movie. They are kind of on their own adventures. But John Boyega's character really wants to be a pilot, which is what Oscar Isaac is. In the climax of the movie, they like meet and they fight together and it's really great. But at the end of the movie, this happens. You completed my mission, Finn. That's my jacket. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. Keep it. It suits you. You're a good man, Finn. And the entire gay world burst into flame. I remember being on Twitter when the Star Wars came out and just seeing people be like, there are gays in Star Wars. And I was like, fuck yeah. And then I watched like a pirated copy of the end and I was like, hmm. Yes, they're gay, but also they don't like fuck. I still haven't seen The Force Awakens, right? Right. But I did, we saw The Last Jedi. We saw The Last Jedi. Open night at midnight. Yeah. And Laura Dern's character has this sort of queer baby stuff with Carrie Fisher as seen at the 2017 thingies. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the episode where canonically... Right, in the like Star Wars books, she's pansexual. And has like a previous relationship with Princess Leia and they put her in the movie and they don't not acknowledge their relationship. Yeah, but they also don't be like, ah yes, my ex-girlfriend. Yeah. People thought Finn and Poe were going to happen in this, right? Or did they? Yes, because after the moment at the end of the first one, everyone was like, well, that wasn't really a enough but you know what it's the first of three so right. like maybe this will grow over the series and then the creators were like actually it won't <laughs> maybe it'll happen in star wars at some point but that's not what we're doing with these yeah. two characters and then instead of putting them together it's like they have them separated for the entire movie and john boyega is with kelly marie tran the entire time they have a k 
kiss at the end of the movie. Oh, that yeah. is very much just like That's a lean forward, like mash it's the their way faces that together. you like kiss your mother, where you're just kind of like. Meh. And Kelly Marie Tran actually spoke out about Finn and Poe's relationship and said, "You know what's bad? I ship them actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a personal thing. I think they're both really great." And Oscar Isaac has said multiple times that if the script came to him, he would be totally in for making them a couple. John Boyega has pretty much said the same thing. Oscar Isaac has been like, "Yeah, I, I want it to happen." Yes, the creators are just like, "Nah, it's not <laughs> what we're doing." It's very much like what the Marvel people said a little bit ago, where they were like, "Marvel movies from here on out will reflect the yeah. world that they take place in." So even though Star Wars takes place in space, <laughs> a long, long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Yeah, got gotcha, you, George Lucas. I paid attention. There's no reason for them to not right. be like, yeah, fine, they're, they're we'll do it. Space. So what I would really love is at the end of the next one for them to just hold hands or like kiss or like maybe they're about to die and they like grab onto each other or something to be like okay fine but we came in too late because if the third one comes out and they've been dating ever since the second one I'll be mad So Kathleen Kennedy, the head of Lucasfilm, said, We've talked about it, but I don't think you're going to see it in The Last Jedi. After 40 years of adventures, people have a lot of information and a lot of theories about the way these stories can take, and sometimes those theories that come up are new ideas for us to listen to, read, and pay attention to. It's clear that the fans are as much masters of this franchise as we are. And then J.J. Abrams said very shortly after that, who is directing the next one Mm -hmm. and directed the first one, basically he said that Star Wars is really great at exploring possibilities and that there's no reason that homosexual characters can't exist in these movies. So I'm like, great, give me one. Okay, so I know that you're listening. (laughs) Don't fast forward through this, because this is an important message from Robert and Jay. He didn't tell me what he was going to say beforehand, so I don't know where this is going. We need you to do something. (laughs) Open Instagram, go to the search, and type in one more thang with an A because I was taken, and follow us on Instagram. We need you to do this because we need to be celebrities. (laughs) And the only way to do this is with your help. Now go to Twitter, open the search, and type in, once again, one more thang with an A because I was taken. And, oh, we didn't say to hit follow. Oh! Then hit follow on Twitter. We have so much content on there that you need to be paying attention to. Twitter is all about the news, really. And our Instagram is all about recaps and hot or nots. Pictures of Sia with yeah. her Tuesday Pictures book club. Pictures of my cat with books. And all sorts of stuff. So help us out, go to social media. All right, back to the episode. Let's move on to queer female ships. Yes. One would think this would be my area of expertise, but the first one we're talking about. Well, I think that, (laughs) okay, so here's the thing, and this is not a drag for you, but like your ships are always like the main character and the waitress that she saw six scenes ago. Yes. Or like the two girls at the water fountain in the background. (laughs) Like the bizarre stuff that like no one pays attention to and you're like, they're fucking. Yeah. The mom and like, the 18 year old from across the street where the entire world is like no not them but like these other people and you're like I'm not with that my ships are also anytime two women are on screen together yeah I'm like ah they're fucking yeah but one would think that I would have more thoughts about queer female ships Mm -hmm. but this first one we're going to talk about (laughs) so we're talking about the good place oh oh I thought we were talking about Rizzoli and Isles no not yet okay so from the beginning of the good place Mm -hmm. I was like Eleanor and Tahani should be together and (laughs) real quick because not as many people watch The Good Place as watch the other stuff we've said. The Good Place is... Which is sad. Everyone should go watch watch The Good Place. Every person that we've made watch The Good Place... Has loved it. Yeah. So The Good Place is about Kristen Bell dies.
dies and goes to heaven, which is called the good place. And in heaven, in the good place, everyone has like a soulmate. And she has her soulmate who is a man, but there's this other character, Tahani, who's like kind of her enemy, but there are constant jokes about how Eleanor is attracted to Tahani. And Eleanor like questions her sexuality for Tahani. And there's even a really quick bit, there's a montage at the top of the second season where there are like a bunch of different versions of the good place and you like flash through all of them. And in one of them, Tahani is Eleanor's soulmate, but you only get it for like a, the quickest of seconds. Yeah. And so this was a big ship for me. And then... Well, it was a lot like Ghostbusters where in the beginning of the first season yeah. you were like, Kristen Bell and Tahani are fucking. And I was like, no. And then they started poking at it. And I was like, oh wait, they yeah. totally would be. But then when you were writing this episode, you started doing some research <laughs> and you went full me. Listeners, there are two pages of notes here. Uh, through analysis of the series in seasons one through two, you can look at Eleanor's trajectory and Tahani's trajectory and they mirror each other, even though they are essentially completely different characters. I do have two pages of notes here. I'm going to read what I've highlighted, which are the important parts. So first, Eleanor comes from a family who pretty much didn't care about her, which is like a central plot. The fact that she had to do everything on her own and her parents were no help to her is the reason that she's like super selfish and mean to everybody around her and Eleanor feels that she can't rely on anyone to support her. Then you have Tahani, whose parents don't care about her. They care more about her sister. And so because they care about her sister, she feels like she's not really a part of that family. Camilla. Camilla. And so she's constantly trying to get approval from them. And by doing these things, it will give her like attention and public status because she is like the most self-centered person on the series. And it's really funny. Even after all of that, everybody still only cares about her sister because her sister is like always one step ahead. Living Eleanor, like Eleanor on Earth, didn't care about anybody but herself, but was dying for someone to like actually love and care for her. And that kind of comes up in unexpected ways through the series. You say living Tahani didn't care about anyone but herself and living Tahani wouldn't care about someone like Eleanor and only pretended to be a good person. Yes. Oh, and then in season two, we see Eleanor do basically the same thing that Tahani does where she does a lot of really good acts for people in order for people to perceive her as a good person. But in very different ways, they both end up learning that no one can be perfect and that that they are both like eternally flawed and that there's really no way around it. And that's kind of what The Good Place is about. And they share this like, <laughs> I okay, so I wrote, they're kind of the perfect balance of the same and different. <laughs> it's true. Each has something to offer the other and connect on an emotional and personal level. And I want to add, this is a big spoiler, but by the end of season one, we know that everything in The Good Place is fake and constructed. So Eleanor's relationship with Chidi could be just as fake as yes. the fact that they're in The Good Place. And so something really similar to Finn and Poe happened, where the internet has slowly gone nuts. You know, out of the couple million fans of The Good Place, a couple thousand of them are going nuts over this relationship. And then Jamila Jamil tweeted and said, lots of people are telling me they want to see Tahani and Eleanor get it on next season. Period. I'm down. Period. Just saying. Period. 100 written percent. (laughs) Yeah. Down. Hashtag Telenor with the emoji of the two girls dancing together. I think it might happen. I think I, you know, as a writer of The Good Place, just have no idea how it would. But with as bizarre as that show is. They could find a way to make it happen. Especially since they're dead, so they have eternity to end up together in some way. And remember at the beginning of the show, we were like, man, this show is great, but there are just so many constrictions. Like, there's no way they can ever have guest stars. Mm -hmm. Cut to Maya Rudolph, Adam Scott. Yeah. All these people just keep coming in because they keep finding ways to, like, blow up and expand the universe. Yeah. So who's to say that they can't expand it by having Tahani and Eleanor together? They are the most creative writers on TV 
right now. And so I don't think it's fair of me to be like, they're not creative enough to figure out a way to put these two characters together. But I am very curious as to how they would. You saw us all unearth a selfish ass and idiot DJ and tortured academic, a hot, rich fraud with legs for days. Side note, I might legit be into Tahani, but that's for another time. So let me set the scene for you. I'm in my living room with my mom and she says, oh, Rizzoli and Isles is on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to watch it. And I say, all right, I don't know anything about Rizzoli and Isles. I've pretty much never even really heard of it. Let's see what it is. So she turns it on. We're watching the episode. And in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, this is, like, so progressive that USA is airing this show about, like, this hot lesbian couple. <laughs> and then out of nowhere, Isles' love interest shows up. And I'm like, huh? <laughs> and it is revealed to me that they are friends and work partners, but not lovers. And I was like, I can't believe I'm the only one who understands that they're queer. And then I went online and was like, oh no, the entire fan base thinks they're queer. Basically, Rizzoli is a detective and Isles is a doctor. And they're best friends and they're partners. They have the classic sort of odd couple, will they, won't they relationship. Rizzoli is snarky and Isles is serious and neurotic. And Rizzoli will be like, get out of your comfort zone, Isles. And Isles will be like, no. Rizzoli is the like tomboy and Isles is super femme one. <laughs> the like big thing that people say about this couple is that they have the exact same relationship as Booth and Bones on Bones, but Booth and Bones end up married and have like a hundred kids and Rizzoli and Isles never get together. Listen to this sentence from the Rizzoli and Isles Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Though Mora, Isles, is socially awkward and has trouble with men because of her brutal honesty and habit of revealing all their medical conditions, she is not awkward around Jane, who is Rizzoli. The show is over. Been over for a while. It had seven seasons and at the beginning of the fourth season, about halfway through, fans got mad and were like, if Rizzoli were a man, this couple would be married by now. The creators were like, no, it's not going to happen. But then Sasha Alexander, who plays Isles, did an interview with like After Ellen, where she was like, they're not gay, but if the show runs long enough, nothing's off the table. It's not impossible. But then she also sort of swerved it and was like, listen, it's cool to have two women who are friends and aren't in competition. So let's not sexualize it and turn it queer. Sure. But also it would be super revolutionary if they were lesbians. In the same interview, she says, some Sometimes we'll do a take for that demo. I'll brush by Mora's blouse or maybe linger for a moment. As long as we're not being accused of homophobic, which is not in any way true and completely infuriating, I'm okay with it. And also she says in the interview, like, I'm not in charge of it. I'm not a writer. I can't say like, now we're together. I can Mm -hmm. only do what I've been given. And so the fact that she leans into it and acknowledges that she's leaning into it is kind of fine. However, Angie Harmon, Rizzoli, is a noted devout Christian. (laughs) What? Yeah. Uh And she went on this tirade and was like, lesbians are refusing to watch this show because Rizzoli and Isles aren't together. And lesbians were like, no, we're not. No one has stopped watching this show. It has exactly as many viewers as it ever did. I hate to disappoint, but these characters are straight. If we lose viewers because of it, sorry. And then she says, whether we're gay or straight, it doesn't matter. We're all women. We all have the same wonderful situations happen to us. Uh. The same horrific situations. We all get our hearts broken. Which technically is true. Sure. But then she doubles down and she starts talking about the fan fiction, which she has read. And she says, thank you very much for making me feel very pretty because I'm always the man in this very lesbianic relationship. You know, I want to be sexy. I want to be the girl one time or maybe twice. So let's break that down. (laughs) I'm always the man in this very lesbianic relationship. I would argue in a very lesbianic relationship, it is defined by the fact that there is no man. (laughs) No one was drawing like trans Rizzoli. They were always both women. Trans Rizzoli. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> Trans Lily. In all the fan fiction, they're both women. But she decides that because she's wearing pants, she's like, well, obviously I'm the man and Isles is the woman. She like can't conceive of it as maybe there are two women in the relationship. Yeah. And then she also says, I want to be sexy. I want to be the girl. Just the implication that she feels ugly and horrible because she's the slightly more butch one. Sort of the prevailing theory on the internet is that the reason Rosalie and Isles didn't get together is because Angie Harmon wouldn't have been comfortable with it because she's super devout. And she was like, I want to go there. Obviously, we'll never know for sure. But the fact that the creators and Sasha Alexander could have been like, maybe, who knows? Angie Harmon was like, no. This whole situation reminds me of two different things. One, Candace Cameron Brule, Brule, Brule. Candace Creme Brulee. Yeah. Being on Dancing with the Stars and wanting to wear like very conservative outfits and then the Dancing with the Stars team going, no, ballroom people like (laughs) need to wear giant slits so that their like leg can extend. And she's like, no. And then she just was off of the show suddenly. And also we talked about this in the episode Super Queeros in season one. Chris Evans, when the fans were like, Captain America and Bucky are together. And then he was like, well, they aren't. And that's not how I was playing it. So I guess I'm acting wrong and I'll just try better next time. Yeah. You yes. saw the stuff online where they've made you a lesbian couple. Yes, Have you and, I'm, this? and that is why actually I got a little verklempt because thank you very much for making me feel very pretty because I'm always the man <laughs> in this very lesbianic relationship. Uh, I ha- am the man. We have uh, <laughs> we have uh, some of the like, they put up all this kinds of oh, art up on. online. Well, let's just show one. I think we have one right here. See? Look. <laughs> <laughs> Now, why, why do you think they, they make you the man in every scenario? Well, I, I don't see you that way. Thank you. Thank you very much. Because, you know, I want to be sexy. I want to be the girl one time or maybe twice, you know. But literally, like, I'll, I'll open the door for Sasha because that's what the man does. Or, you know, I'll, I'll walk behind her, but, you know. But that actually leads us really well into the last, actually, two pairings that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. which are both on sort of, like, fantasy superhero shows, which are on Supergirl and on Once Upon a Time. So in Supergirl, there's a ship called Supercorp, which mm-hmm. is Supergirl herself, Lena. Well, hold on. I think that we should introduce everybody to your TV show. Yes. So my favorite TV show of all time is called The Lesbians on Supergirl. Mm-hmm. And it's a series that I stopped doing, mm-hmm. but I did for my, like, close friends on Snapchat, and then eventually it moved to Instagram. So in the second season, Maggie, or no, um, I don't remember their names because I had different names for them. You on did. It Supergirl. was um, the hot one. The hot one and the white one. Yeah. <laughs> So the white one, who is Supergirl's sister, comes I think her out. Name is Maggie. No, Maggie's the hot one. Oh. The white one is um Super Sister. Alex. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The white one, Alex, comes out and because she falls in love with Maggie, the hot one. And it was like this whole thing. We've talked about it, but I did this show where every week, the day after Supergirl aired, I would sit down and I would film it and flip through it and find only the gay scenes and like live film the scenes and react to them. Mm-hmm. And it seriously was like, I think my most successful Snapchat series because <laughs> my friends who I sent it to would be like, Supergirl airs on Mondays. And if it was like Wednesday and they hadn't gotten lesbians on Supergirl yet, people would be like, uh, excuse me. <laughs> Kind of wondering what's going on with the lesbians on Supergirl. Like, <laughs> I was told that it would happen Tuesday mornings. And then they broke up and I was mad about it. So I stopped watching and doing mm-hmm. it. So I completely missed this because they didn't have a lot of scenes together. But there's another ship called Supercorp, which is Kara Danvers, who's Supergirl, and Lena Luthor, who is the daughter of Lillian Luthor, who's the main villain and also is the sister of Lex Luthor. Sure. <laughs> 
they're like best friends and even Whoa. though Lex Luthor who in the current series is played by the guy from the social network Jesse Eisenberg yeah, yeah but not full circle Lena Luthor who is Lex Luthor's sister publicly supports Supergirl even though Lex and Superman have a feud so she very publicly is like I love Supergirl I'm totally on her side and in private she doesn't know that Kara is Supergirl but they're best friends and then she finds out that Kara is Supergirl and she's like I knew you had a secret you can tell me anything when I was last watching she was evil I don't know if she is anymore I don't know what's up with them but they're like the most vulnerable with each other than they are with anyone else and when hmm. Supergirl's boyfriend gets shot into space she like I know <laughs> that was featured on the lesbians on Supergirl by the way <laughs> So clearly you didn't watch that episode. Kara turns to Lena instead of turning to like the white one or any of her friends. And she'll constantly be like putting citizens of their town in danger to save Lena's life. Uh, her team has to be like, please stop doing that. And eventually she comes out to Lena as Supergirl and Lena's like, I support you no matter what. Like, I love you. Keep that on the back burner. And now let's talk about Once Upon a Time. This ship is Swan Queen, which is one of the most famous lesbian ships. And so this show is super confusing and there's a lot happening and I haven't watched it in like five or six years. But basically there's the queen who is Regina and there's Emma Swan. Regina adopts Emma's biological son and the son goes and finds Emma. Emma comes and meets Regina and people say they fall in love but basically they like fight the whole time and they like co-parent. It's very much as if you took Harry Potter and Draco and put them in a space where they have a shared child. Yeah. The cursed child maybe. <gasps> Everyone ships Emma and Regina mm -hmm. together and it's called Swan Queen. So what I think is interesting about these two together is that on both Supergirl and Once Upon a Time there are canon lesbian couples. Mm -hmm. On Supergirl, there's the lesbians on Supergirl. And Once Upon a Time, there's Sleeping Beauty and Red Riding Hood. And then there's also Mulan, who's canonically a lesbian. Yeah. And both of these couples, the creators are like, no, 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 look, we've given you these lesbian couples. And everyone's like, but we want actually the other one. By the end of the lesbians on Supergirl, people were like totally no longer invested in them and had moved on to Supercorp because the lesbians on Supergirl were really badly written. They like push the canon lesbian couples so hard that they are sort of ridiculous and don't really work. And everyone is like, no, we want the headcanon ships because we're more interested in the characters that naturally are together mm -hmm. and that have a dynamic. Give us more of that instead. The creators and actors don't usually talk about it, but Jeremy Jordan did an interview where he basically said like, stop talking about Lena and Kara. Focus on the real lesbians. Stop talking about the fake lesbians. Just, we've given you what you want. Shut up. And people got offended, obviously. So he issued a public apology and was like, I'm straight, so I don't know what I'm saying. Blah, ignore me. But people keep sort of migrating away from the shows being like well we'll go find lesbians who are like actually interesting if you're gonna like be mean about our headcanons and Emma has left Once Upon a Time but is coming back for the final season so the thought is maybe like Emma and Regina will get together they won't they could in a co-parenting way right like I can totally see the way. end being they live together with the son yeah but like Regina is with Robin Hood and she's with Captain Hook. Yeah. Are you caught off by, uh, off guard when you hear about sort of what the fans are making of relationships, seeing stuff that is or isn't there or might be there, et cetera? Like, what do you make of it at this point? I, I mean, it, I, it was surprising. Not what Katie and I expected, mm -hmm. <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> Katie? I mean, yeah. To be fair, usually I've done a lot of shows where there is a, a very obvious undertone in between two female characters. Mm. And for once, I was like, it's not here. Right. <laughs> and, and, wow, Little I did you know. <laughs> but, um, we were talking about this the other day, about it. And, and the great thing about what we do is like any art, is anybody can read into it what they want and take yeah. from it. So you can see anything and, and take from it what you like. And that's what's great about this show is that there are so many different ways to see everything. And if that's what you see in it, 
you know, it sure. take it away. Yeah. That's it's it's that. you know it's yeah. art. It's I'll take that too. it's. <laughs> 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 and sexuality is all about others' perceptions of yours, right? <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> that was sarcasm. Hey, listen, I went to musical theater school. I know all about uh, other people's perceptions of sexuality. <laughs> This week, for our one more thing, we've written fan fiction. I want you to go first because mine is a whole thing. Okay. So my instruction that Jay gave me for this was that we were going to write fan fiction and we were not going to tell each other who it was about or what happened. Yeah. And I started writing it and I got a couple sentences in and I went, this is going to be four chapters long if I if I want this to go where it goes. So what I wrote instead is like when you find fan fiction on Tumblr, at least, it's like, these are the characters that are in this. And then here's like an excerpt that written about what will happen. Okay, great. And so I've written three little paragraphs about okay. like the introduction to it and then when it ends, you'll be like, oh, I see where this okay. will go. Okay. I'm ready. I couldn't sleep, so I took my dog out for a quick run on the beach at sunrise just to see what it was like. My new view. The only good thing about this new neighborhood is that it's close to the beach. It's been a month since the big move. It's been a month since my big breakup. And it's been a month since I've seen my friends. Oh no. I settled into the sand thinking about them and how much fun they're probably having without me. I went pretty unrecognized while I was at my old school. And now the thought of starting all over again at this new school for my senior year made me want to curl up in bed with my dog until graduation. Loves this dog. (laughs) Pumped up kick starts playing from my phone. yelling at me that it's time to get ready for my first day of school. Oh, it's the alarm. Okay. Yeah. As I get up, I realize that I'm not alone. Wait, I thought he was on the beach. He is. Oh, okay. Like, as as he gets up from the sand. Oh, as he stands like, up. As, got yeah. it, got it. Okay, as I stand up, <laughs> I realize that I'm not alone. Notice that the tense has changed from past tense to present tense. It will change back to past. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. A figure comes running down the shore of the beach. I stand here. Oh, I stand. Here we go. Now he's standing. I stand curious. <laughs> Who else is up at 6 a.m. on a Monday? All I can make out it is his hair. Transition. Ooh. This is the last paragraph. Oh. My first teacher of the day introduces me as the new student and to take care of me in this deranged little town. As I sat down, I couldn't help but think... <laughs> There's the switch. <laughs> as I sat down, I couldn't help but think that that was a weird introduction. The student in front of me turns around. His hair, his face, his handsome face makes my teeth clench. <gasps> he stretches out his hand. Ready? 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 Close your eyes. Okay. I just want you to imagine this. Okay. He stretches out his hand. Hey, Simon. Oh, shut up. I knew this was love Simon. Welcome to Riverdale. I'm <laughs> Archie. <laughs> <laughs> and so that's my fan fiction, Did everybody. They really broke up. Simon and Brown broke up. That's sad. Yeah. Okay, so my fan fiction is 18 pages long so far. Great. So if you want the whole thing, I'll tweet some choice screenshots from it. <laughs> Tell me when you figure out who it is. Is it anything to do with Legally Blonde? Yes. <laughs> Okay, great. Continue. (laughs) I want to hear. Because I don't know who the other person is, unless it's just Vivian and Al. It is. This is chapter one. (laughs) The summer had been perfect. They'd run into each other at the country club. (laughs) Or rather, she had noticed his grandmother's birthday party on the social calendar, and she just so happened to be in the area on that day, so she dropped by. The spark was still there, so three weeks later they were engaged. There was no big proposal, no pomp and circumstance, just a practical conversation with a timeline of their careers and a mutual decision that an engagement was the right choice. And that was how she liked it. After all, if they kept things rational, she didn't have to pretend that she was feeling anything she wasn't. After two months of peaceful coexistence, they packed up their things and drove to Boston together. From there, it was supposed to be easy. 
three years of breezing through classes and social engagements as everyone's favorite couple, start clerking before they even graduated, and then a lifetime of being the Kennedys by day and strangers by night. He would have his mistresses, and she would find ways to be happy. They were on the same page as always. But then... (laughs) On the first day of class, she saw him talking to some girl. At first, the feeling in the pit of her stomach seemed like jealousy, but that couldn't be right. Was she angry? He had promised never to flaunt his affairs, never to carry out flirtations in public so that they could keep up the facade, so that had to be it. She was angry. She was angry mostly because considering what else she might be feeling when she looked at that girl was out of the question. The first time they ever interacted was a disaster. <laughs> this is when I go into deep cut fan of this movie mode. Stromwell. <laughs> had called on the girl in the middle of her classic first day intimidation lecture and she was embarrassing herself. Of course, Stromwell could somehow pick up the one person in the room who wanted absolutely nothing to do with the conversation and bring her in. Vivian Kensington, do you think it's acceptable that Miss Woods is not prepared? <laughs> what could she say? She knew her place. And besides, when Stromwell kicked Miss Woods out, she killed two birds with one stone. Vivian's ice queen reputation was solidified and the rest of the 90 minute class could be spent focusing on law instead of staring at the girl for so long that the anger started to erode, forcing her to confront what was underneath. The All girl right. is L. <laughs> so then, ten chapters well, later. Okay, so what I did really like about that, though, <laughs> is that I didn't realize until midway through that you were recapping the movie. Thank you! That was really nice. Thank you. Okay, so I do have a question about this. <laughs> okay. When you were writing this, yeah. did you sit down to write an 18-page thing? No. Or did you just, like, did it just spill it out It spilled of out of me. <laughs> okay, great. Two, did you picture Laura or Reese and Kate or... um? Selma Blair. Yeah. It's Selma and Reese. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And yes, there are four sex scenes. Gotcha. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Do they have a threesome with Brooke? No. Not yet. <laughs> but they can. <laughs> I would love... I could do some edits. There's Isn't... a sequel to Legally Blonde. There could be a sequel to my fan fiction. <laughs> Legally Blonde too. Red, white, and blonde. The lesbians. Okay. I tried to... Yeah, it didn't really work. Red, white, and lesbian. No. Okay. Oh, Legally Blonde too. L Vivian, and Brooke. Okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you oh. next week. <laughs> Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One More Thang. If you follow us on Instagram, you can see more about the couples we talked about today. If you follow us on Twitter, you can see screenshots of my favorite parts of my, at this moment, 18-page, probably will be longer, Legally Blonde fan fiction. And possibly the sequel. (laughs) Yeah, and possibly part two. (laughs) Like us on Facebook, One More Thing Podcast. You can email us. If you want to read the whole fan fiction, all, like, however many pages, you can email us at onemorethingpodcast at gmail.com. And you just send them the PDF. Yeah. Our Patreon is patreon.com slash one more thing thank you to tessa lee thank you to 440 studios thank you to fanfiction.org.net whatever that website is and thank you to you the listener viewers like you we'll see you next week i'm gonna go write some fanfiction about myself and laura Liddy. <laughs> bye where you play her dresser that's hot bye <laughs> Vivian had known that the breakup would be difficult, but actually seeing Elle right there in front of her, wearing Vivian's Harvard sweatshirt while she made her breakfast, made her want to shut up and let the happiness continue. She could see them 10, 20 years in the future. Her, Chief Justice, Elle, the second female president, <laughs> unwinding after a long day or spending the weekend at Camp David. Bruiser Kensington was the third on the floor next to them. For a second, she let herself get lost in the fantasy. <laughs> Something I forgot to mention is that this is incredibly detail-oriented, but the sound of Elle's protein shake in the blender yanked her back to reality. <laughs>
Tomorrow they would have to go back to the real world. They would arrive separately to the first day of the internship. So there's the timeline. Pointedly ignore each other, make up stories make up stories about how they had spent winter break with their families and not together in Elle's apartment, falling more and more in love every day. What? I know. In love. She never thought those words about Elle. She never thought those words about anyone. That was a dangerous road to go down. Love meant commitment, and commitment meant telling the world about their relationship, and Vivian's career couldn't risk that. It was easier to stick to the plan. Listen, she said quietly, looking down at her coffee to avoid eye contact. Third reference to breakfast. <laughs> and they keep coming. This break has been amazing, Elle cut in. I was just thinking that. See, we're so in sync. Vivian couldn't help but smile, thinking about the night before, when Elle had called them in sync after a particularly exciting moment in bed. It starts to get sexy. Clearly, Elle was remembering the same moment because her usually bright smile turned suggestive. You know, I had an idea for our last free day. She started to go in for a kiss, but Vivian pulled away. <gasps> the eggs are going to burn if you don't pay attention to them. <laughs> Fourth reference That's to That's very you. It, it wasn't her most casual sidestep ever, but it earned Vivian another moment without eye contact while Elle turned back to the stove. <laughs> Fifth reference to the breakfast. <laughs> so speaking of our last free day, I've been thinking a lot about going back to school tomorrow. And us. Us going back to school tomorrow. Elle paused, spatula in hand. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's a love letter to breakfast. <laughs> Babe, you're repeating yourself. You only do that when you're nervous. Is something wrong? Clearly, Elle knew her too well for this to be easy. Can you sit down with me for a second? Sure. Elle switched the stove off so the eggs wouldn't burn <laughs> and then sat down next to Vivian at the kitchen island, taking her hand. What's up? I think Vivian took a deep breath. I think we should end this. Elle let go of Vivian's hand silently. She looked at her protein shake <laughs> and then back at Vivian. That's it? What? Three months of incredible sex, of spending every moment together, and all you have to say is, I think we should end this? Last week, we were talking about moving in together. You said you wanted to meet the Deltas. What changed so fast? Elle had started to cry. Vivian choked back tears of her own. I just don't think I'm ready for this. You're the first woman I've ever been with and I didn't expect to. She cut herself off but the end of her sentence was clear. I didn't expect to either, Elle said, but I did. We did. I love you, Vivian. Sure, it's weird and confusing, but it's true. I know this was just supposed to be a casual thing, but I can't help it. I want to be with you. You can't tell me you don't. Vivian was sobbing. I don't know. I don't know what I want anymore. What you want? Elle scoffed through her tears. Vivian, what you want is me. (laughs) 